0: Welcome to Tech Intersect. I'm your host, Tanya Evans, and my life and work exist at the heart of law, business, and technology. Yeah, I've earned a few fancy titles and degrees over the years, but the bottom line is I'm a writer, speaker, teacher, and lifelong learner, and I'm really excited that you've joined me on this journey. So what is Tech Intersect? Well, it's authentic, empowering conversations with really interesting guests who demystify complex topics to prepare you for the future, because your future is now, and it exists where law, business, and tech intersect. Get ready to listen, learn, and leverage. Let's get started. Hey, everybody. Welcome to episode 115 of the Tech Intersect podcast. This is May 17th, 2022. And in this episode, I welcome Reverend Wendy Hamilton to the show to talk about how cryptocurrencies and other digital assets fit into the larger narrative and goal of progressive politics, economic justice, and what she calls a human-centered economy. Rev. Wendy is a 2022 Democratic Party primary candidate in Washington, D.C., running to become the district's delegate in the United States Congress. And Rev. Wendy is an ordained minister, social justice advocate, and mother of one, and a double bison, having received two degrees from Howard University, a bachelor's in human development, and her master's degree from Howard University School of Divinity. Having worked professionally in communications on Capitol Hill, as an adjunct professor of communications, and recently as an executive assistant to Benjamin Jealous, Ben Jealous, formerly president and CEO of the NAACP at the headquarters in Baltimore, Rev. Wendy participated in initiatives on criminal justice reform, civic engagement, economic inequality, and environmental justice, just to name a few. Her professional background includes work in the areas of education, human services, nonprofit advocacy, communications, and chaplaincy. She was a part-time pastor of Open Door Metropolitan Community Church in Germantown, Maryland, and most recently served as director of spiritual and cultural outreach for 2020 presidential candidate Andrew Yang. Her mantra and mission is to manifest justice for all. So this is a power-packed and inspiring conversation I'm sure you will enjoy. Before we get started, a quick reminder on digital safety. There are a lot of scammers out there, on social media, impersonating me and other crypto educators and trailblazers, and we need your help. Now hear this. I will never slide into your DMs to say peace and blessings or, hey, (laughs) I will never reach out to solicit your time or your money like ever. So be careful and make good choices. FYI, I've developed an entire free 99 masterclass about the topic. So check out secureyourcryptobag.com for more information. That's secureyourcryptobag.com for more information. Now that we're clear, please take a moment to follow this podcast and then like, share, and comment so that others who would benefit from this content can find it. Okay, it's time to listen, learn, and leverage. Let's get started. In this episode of Tech Intersect, I am so very pleased and excited to welcome Reverend Wendy Hamilton, a.k.a. Rev Wendy, To the show to talk about how cryptocurrencies and other digital assets fit into the larger narrative and goal of progressive politics and economic justice. Rev Wendy is a 2022 Democratic Party primary candidate in Washington, D.C., to become the district's delegate in the United States Congress. Now, Rev Wendy is an ordained minister, social justice advocate, mother of one, and a double bison, having received two degrees from Howard University. Her professional background includes work in the areas of education, human services, nonprofit advocacy, communications, and chaplaincy. We will talk about all of that and more in a moment. But first, Rev. Wendy, fellow Bison, welcome. Yes, a 2 (laughs) you know, how are you? (laughs) I'm doing great. I was holding myself back because I was about to do it two times in my intro, but I was like, no, she's going to feel me organically. We're going to do it. It's going to be a thing. Thank you so much for joining me. I know you're so busy, particularly at this moment in time with the lead up to all of the primaries. So much going on in the world as we were talking as a lead into this conversation, just identifying two, three, four, five, six things all going on at the same time. Before I even right. move forward, how are you? Just how are you in terms of your soul, your spirit moving through the space? How are you?
1: Well, let me just say in this moment, first and foremost, thank you for having me on. And then to answer your question, I think my word for today is I'm maintaining. I'm maintaining. Mm -hmm. There are moments where I can feel a bit more overwhelmed than others. As you mentioned, this is primary season. Our primary here in D.C. is June 21st, which is about 40 days away, roughly, Right. But the difference is that this year they are mailing ballots to all voters because of COVID precautions and that. They had done that in 2020 as well. And they opted to do it again just to be safe because we're not an automatic bail in city, soon to be state. But because of. Let's go statehood. Yeah, we'll talk we'll about, about that we'll in about yes. But because <laughs> of the, you know, current conditions they thought let's let's continue this for the 2022 primary which means that ballots are going to begin uh, mailing out this Monday May 16th mm-hmm. so it's here you know what i'm saying June 21st is not the primary yes. that's the last day for
0: you to vote <laughs> you know, but it, it it that's the right way to think yeah. of it exactly yeah, it, it
1: is here we'll still have early voting we'll still have that primary day But essentially, voting can begin as early as next week when the ballots begin
0: going in the mail. Is registration all done in the district?
1: Yeah, it was. Well, they have up until actually the end of this month, the 31st of this month to register. Yes. So.
0: All right, so folks in the district, you heard that. I'm going to remind you of that yeah. at the end of this conversation. Yeah. But let's dive into your life before deciding to throw your hat into the proverbial ring of politics. Um, mm-hmm. And then a, a follow up to that, of course, is going to be why politics. I think Correct. you'll say that in the original answer. But why now?
1: Those are three heavy questions.
0: <laughs> yes. What was it's I doing? Like, say I reflect on that. Yes. Yeah. <laughs>
1: Let me let me start with the first part. What was I doing before politics? Well, before politics, Mm -hmm. as you read in my bio, I've been a chaplain. That was what I was most recently doing prior to this particular uh, move. But chaplaincy and and ministry, I was a part time pastor for a while as well. That Mm -hmm. was something that a personal call I felt on my life that I wanted to fulfill after graduating from Howard School of Divinity uh, and Mm -hmm. got the opportunity to serve as a chaplain at Georgetown University here in D.C. for first year students who have a little anxiety leaving home. I was also at Georgetown University Hospital working with uh, terminally ill patients and in the labor and mm. delivery suite. And I also had a, a chance to be a chaplain at Johns Hopkins Hospital in uh, Baltimore for a year. I was a trauma chaplain resident in the emergency room. So I have seen some things. Let me. Right, things. right. So you're perfect. You're perfect for politics. I see now. <laughs> ain't, ain't ain't nothing. I ain't scared of nothing. You understand what I'm right? saying? I'm I'm yes. ready. I've been trained in the trenches, and I, and I'm not a politician, and that's a good thing. Right. I've always mm-hmm. been interested in in politics and from a religious standpoint some some people get nervous when they say oh well, she's a minister you know she's a pastor we don't want religion in mm-hmm. politics that's a part of who i am but that's not mm-hmm. the basis with which i'm running that's that's my foundation that's my core i believe we could right. use a moral renaissance in our politics but for me right. this is more about serving people about social justice, looking out for the least of these, taking care of the poor and the widow and the oppressed and those who feel like they don't have a voice. And so it really was a natural fit. I've always volunteered for campaigns. I've been a social justice advocate. I worked with Ben Jealous at the NAACP when he was the youngest president in the history of the organization. I was his executive assistant there for four years. I've you know, volunteered, like I said, on Obama's campaign and some local things around here. So it was always mm-hmm. sort of a passing interest of mine, if you will. I never necessarily saw myself as a candidate until until Trump. Day um, mm-hmm. where I got a little bit concerned about our future and what was happening, you know, in our politics. And during that right. time, I also had the fortunate opportunity to serve as the Director of Spiritual and Cultural Outreach for the Andrew Yang presidential campaign in 2020.
0: Oh, yes. Yeah, mm-hmm. I
1: I read about him back in 2018 when he first announced there was an article in the New York Times about universal basic income and how he was championing that and, and how he wanted to help people that were feeling unheard, that got left behind. And he was talking about the threat of automation and how so many jobs right. were going to be automated away and we were going to be losing people And they were going to be falling through the cracks. It made me think about my upbringing in Ohio and my grandparents who worked in the factories that got shipped overseas. And I started thinking about how they would have really fared a little better if they had had a universal basic income, just a lifeline to get them through some of those tough times. So that resonated with me. I reached out to the campaign, ultimately joined it. And so that was my first real insider's look, right, to be on on the backside of a campaign to get to see how the sausage was made. (laughs) And so, but little did I know that that in and of itself was preparing me for what my next step would be into politics for myself.
0: Absolutely. There's no wasted effort. And oftentimes we don't know, you know, we see through the glass darkly. So in our best understanding of what's going on in the moment, when we look back, we can see how, how steps are being ordered to prepare us for such a time as this, as we were talking about, okay. so then your preparation mm-hmm. outside of the traditional notions of politics actually resonates with what is, I think. And you tell me your your thoughts about why it's important for folks like you, with that particular vision and focus on community and um, reimagining what what the future will be, of why it's important right now for you to run.
1: Because I think our politics is in desperate need of an infusion of a moral renaissance, as well as a reconnection to the people who they have been sent there to serve. Uh, For Mm -hmm. whatever reason, our politicians forget the system is powerful, you know, in terms of its ability to corrupt um, Mm -hmm. good intentions if you're not solid in your resolve, uh, right to stay true to what it is you believe motivated you to run in the first place. And I'm not speaking of anyone right. in particular. I'm speaking in general that mm-hmm. a lot of what I see happening now is people disconnected from the human experience and what is truly mm-hmm. going on with the everyday Person, the working class, the the non working class, the the small business owner, the single mother, the stay at home mother, and so for me, I think we need an influx of just regular everyday people who are bringing life experience to the table mm-hmm. to be the mm-hmm. to be that voice that 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 seems to be missing. You know, folks, when you when you disconnect from the folks who have sent you. You get to a place where you you, you cannot, in my opinion, authentically
0: mm-hmm.
1: represent their needs. You, you, can, you can think you know what's best for them, but if you're not out here spending time and talking with folks and finding out what's really going on on the ground, you're right. making assumptions. And so me, I'm on the ground. And that's why I say to my constituents here in Washington, D.C. that I hope to represent in Congress, I say I'm not just running to represent you. I am you. Look, I'm mm-hmm. one paycheck off of a crisis, just like you are, baby. So the way Talk I'm going to come to the table with your voice is going to be a little bit different than somebody who's never been here. When we're talking about eviction moratoriums being lifted, and you know, when we're talking about canceling the you know child tax credits, and when we're you know talking about universal health care because mm-hmm. you know people have are having to choose between their rent, you know, or their mortgage, and and their insulin. I'm not I'm like, not talking to you about something I've heard. I'm talking to you about something I know. And I think we need more of that. You love listening to podcasts, but have you ever thought about starting your own podcast? Maybe you want to build a brand, grow your business, or are looking for an excuse to talk about your favorite hobby. Whatever your reason for making a podcast, Buzzsprout is the place to start. Since 2009, Buzzsprout has helped over 300,000 people launch their own podcasts. Buzzsprout walks you step-by-step through the whole process and will give you powerful tools to start, grow, and monetize your podcast. Ready to get started? Click the link in the show notes to get our free step-by-step guide to starting your podcast today.
0: So well said, and I I see that thread woven so well through your entire platform. I'm going to tick off for our listeners, all of them. I want everybody to go to RevWendyForCongress.com to really dig in. Um, I only have you for a short period of time, so I've highlighted some things specifically at the intersection of economic justice and technology that we'll talk sure. about in a minute. But I want everybody to know all of, you know, the richness of, of your platform. Obviously, we got to lead with statehood, um, lead universal with basic statehood. income. You got to you got to like 51. Let's go. Come on. Universal basic income, which we'll definitely talk about education. Obviously, as a as a law professor and a lifelong learner, it's so critically important. Criminal justice reform, universal health care, human centered economy, which I heard you also start to lead into earlier. And I definitely want to double back on that. Obviously, we're on Tech Intersects. We're (laughs) going to talk crypto and blockchain technology. And if you have a rabbit hole experience, please share it. But also, I'm a a black queer woman. So LGBTQ plus rights are critically important to me ranked choice voting, housing, mental health, and the crisis of mental health in the midst of the pandemic. I wish we could say, you know, now we're all recovering. It's literally PTSD that is reoccurring every day with every wave and every Every moment. Mm -hmm. Every day. Mm -hmm. Every day. So, and literally around the world, it's not an isolated incident too. So we'll look back God willing, in the creek don't rise on this time. And studies will mm-hmm. will go on about what's happened collectively, hopefully to remind us as part of a silver lining, if there is one, that we rise and fall together globally. Correct. Um, Correct. But it definitely starts globally. locally and then Right. It's global. Mm -hmm. Um, And that obviously Mm -hmm. ties into the last part of your platform. That is not the least, uh, because all of these could literally I could have said them first. I'm just going in the order that I have them in my own particular notes. But environmental justice, which is so critically important, too. So I'm going to say law, pause and reflect on those things. But go into the economic side, even though all of them kind of connect to economics, in particular, universal basic income, the idea of human centered economy, which I'm just really excited to hear you talk about, mm-hmm. and obviously the crypto. So let's start. Let's start with human centered economy, because I think that gets us to some of to, to the other two things that I want to talk about today?
1: Well, they probably do because they all intersect. Mm -hmm. And the human-centered economy is an economy that is super hyper-focused on ways that all of us can thrive together, that are providing mm-hmm. equitable policies and programs and supporting innovation, supporting progressive ideas like a universal basic income that would you know remove the middleman, putting money in people's hands and trusting them to be able to do with it what they feel like they need to do, and not feeling threatened in some way or feeling as if you have to dictate to people what they need to do with what you're giving them. That means testing right. is inhumane and it traps people in poverty because what they tell you is we're going to give you these benefits, but we want you to go out and get a job, but don't get too much job because if you get too much job, but not not enough to cover everything, we're still going to take away uh, and you're still going to have to struggle because you made a little bit too much than we wanted you to make, but not enough for you to survive. And that's a mousetrap right. you know, wheel that I've been on myself and, It's undignified. And so I want to liberate people. And so universal basic income is a way to do that. And we've seen it. When we saw these stimulus checks come in, when we saw the child care tax credit come in, people used it to buy groceries. They used it to take care of their car. And that money goes right back into the economy, which begins to stimulate the economy. So it's a win-win. Same thing with crypto. And I know we'll get to that, but crypto removes the middleman. It takes out the banks. It takes out all of the red tape. And it liberates people of color in in, you know, in essence, giving them the opportunity to control their own financial destiny. You know, even if they have to send money and, you know, crypto is global. So, you know, we don't have to worry about all the fees that people try to tack on. Right. If you're trying to make money transfers and that to take care of your family and things of that nature. And so I saw all of these working together as many things as we can uh, tools make available for us to live into our humanity is considered a human-centered economy approach for me.
0: Um, that's really powerful. And I love that and how you were able to weave in the other parts because there, it isn't isolated. It is not siloed. Mm-hmm. It's part of why I love the technology so much right. of, of disintermediator, or removing the gatekeepers. Yes. That were put in place on purpose, like I think this grand experiment has actually worked quite well because it wasn't built for systemically marginalized populations. It was working well. Yes, <laughs> it's not working so well now for the people who were intended to serve. but if we're going to hold people to the promise, then it needs to include all of us, and exactly. if we need to use technology. To do what our laws haven't really been able to do, what in some sense government has not always been able to do, and certainly the private system hasn't been willing to do if you're a for-profit, you're mm-hmm. really in business to make money, right. and you're gonna do it by any means necessary, then onto the scene with a gangster lean <laughs> technology. Yes. By you know, Satoshi, whoever he, she or they are, right. we don't know. We don't right? know, right. Um Tell me about how you even learned about Bitcoin and other crypto. What's your what's your rabbit hole experience if you have one? Well,
1: well, be, before I get to that, let, let me say something too. just to what you said. It's so important yes. that we have these opportunities and they aren't siloed. The more the merrier, because everybody is different. They're cut differently. And so they're going to adapt to things differently. One tool right. may be more useful for them, may make more sense for them. I just want everybody to strive and thrive. And so mm-hmm. with the. The GDP, if you a human centered economy, to me, measures well-being, measures mental Mm -hmm. health, measures happiness. If you can measure that and, you know, Mm -hmm. health, you know, health outcomes and things like that. So much is predicated on what we produce. We're human beings. We're not simply producers. And to suggest somehow that things aren't healthy or going well when we're not producing enough. When you know mm-hmm. and base it on a particular number, that's not human centered. That's production centered, and, yes. and we're not looking at the quality of life. And so, a human centered economy factors in quality of life as well. So, I just wanted to absolutely that
0: out too. Yes, it's an important point. Yes,
1: but as far as my rabbit hole experience, I can't say that I've a <laughs> full rabbit hole experience yet. Only because I'm running a campaign now, and I can't.
0: Right. You have a few other things yeah, to do.
1: Right. <laughs> it's so tempting and and I got sent eighteen books that I need to read. You know?
0: <laughs> Later. We'll yeah, get to the, those. The, the I'm Bitcoin
1: standard and you know uh, yes, Bitcoin yes, Zay's book, The Black Billionaire. Yes, and, you know, I have yes. been on eighteen clubhouses and twenty-two Twitter spaces <laughs> and you know. Which, which I appreciate because what they're excited yes. about is, you know, a pro crypto candidate. And that was intentional right. on my part. And what happened was as crypto was kind of coming into the mainstream, if you will, a couple of summers mm-hmm. ago, like right around the time that I was launching my campaign, because I have been on the mm-hmm. campaign for about 15 months, but we can talk about that a little later. That's, you, you, I see. You have to, yeah. When you run against a 32 year incumbent, you can't do that in three months, but what, We'll get to right. That. Right. Right. You um, can't start yesterday. Right. <laughs> Hello. Cola. But in the in the early stages of my campaign, too, was this big, uh you know, rush and talk. And, it, you know, became a, a big part of the conversation. And it was Bitcoin, everything. And then Doge uh-huh. came up and, you know, just all these different coins.
0: And I ain't
1: going to get into it with my Bitcoin max. <laughs> so I need to back up.
0: Cause let's go nice. so you know enough to know that Listen, hey, so i, I love you yes, yes. i love y'all but yes, i love maxi's too I, I love y'all but you know <laughs> back down for one moment just uh, let right. me out. Yeah. hear me out
1: so um so as i'm listening to all this i'm saying to my campaign folks you know I want to learn more. I, I feel like I need to know about this. I think this is part of the future. I want to be a forward thinking candidate. So and I mm-hmm. happened to have a couple of people on my team who had been in the space. One of my who turned out to be my you know, crypto advisor, if you will. He had mm-hmm. been in the space. He's the ETH guy. He had been in there since like Ooh. 2014. So he was like, you know, Wendy. He said, it might make sense for you to start to embrace this or at least learn. He said, because the crypto community is looking to begin having right. conversations with the political community because mm-hmm. these are conversations that are going to need to take place. And then I looked up and saw that there's a blockchain caucus in Congress. I didn't know that. I yes. Said, a bipartisan one. I said, well, who are they? And, yes. and when's the last time they met? And what are they talking about? You know? So he said, I think that it would be cutting edge. Short. I said, no, listen, I said. I'm willing to hear the pitch. I'm willing to listen to it. But here's what I'm not going to do. I'm not going to mm-hmm. jump on this just because it's a fad, you know, but if I can right. tie it into my policy, then I can support it wholeheartedly. I, I have to you know, I have to be able to has to resonate, connect with me. I can't just oh, right. well, that's that's the end thing. Let's do it. I didn't want it to appear like it was if I was being some kind of opportunist or whatever. Right. But I was excited about the fact that this I could sense this this was meaningful. And then when I started learning about how it was liberating people around the world, how Nigeria was, yes. you know, running away with an El Salvador. And I was like, oh, no. Yeah. Mm-hmm. We, I, I need to learn because I want to be pro-innovation, pro-technology, and, and I see it as an economic justice tool, and that ties into my platform. So I said, how do I tiptoe into the space? I said, I would love to be mm-hmm. able to even receive crypto donations, which um uh, right. Andrew Yang, when I mentioned I was on his campaign, he was one mm-hmm. of the only presidential campaigns. He and I think um, Eric Squalwell were the only mm-hmm. two who accepted crypto donations in 2020. Um, So, you know, being around a a type of forward thinking candidate like him, I'm like, okay, yeah, I want to learn more. So we we Mm -hmm. actually entered the space by deciding to have uh, an NFT fundraiser. Okay. Okay. So we reached out to a local NFT artist, you know, because we wanted Mm -hmm. to also tie it into DC. The other thing about crypto, especially for here in DC, it hasn't quite caught on yet in the conversation. I'm talking about DC proper, not Washington on the Hill. There's, There's a Washington and then there's a DC. But right, so locally it hasn't become that big of a conversation. But of course, nationally. So my my thinking was how do I I want to incorporate it into my policies, but also how do I connect it locally? How do mm-hmm. I begin to find out what's happening here or even begin to inform the electorate in D.C. a right. little bit more about it? So we heard that there were some NFT artists. We reached out. One of them, uh, you know, he came alongside us. He offered some of his pieces. We, we set up to have a, an NFT uh, fundraiser and lo and behold, the night. Of the fundraiser, someone hacked into his open sea
0: and oh. took all
1: of his artwork and some stuff. Oh my it goodness. was terrible, mm. you know, which unfortunately is some of the fears that people have when you're talking about sure. crypto the ability to hack the vulnerability and all that. So we weren't mm-hmm. able to have it, unfortunately, and I you know, felt very sorry that that happened, but it also, right. you know, prompted me to get myself more up to speed on the security yeah, piece right. pieces and 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 you know be knowledgeable about that as well. So from there, right. it, it you know, like I said, it led to okay, you know, Bitcoin and, and learning a lot more about that. And, <laughs> uh, I had you know a couple of folks that kind of took me under their wing, I, I, I you know, and gave me some information, sent me books, and Dennis Porter, I remember had me on, and and Ryan Selbus, that's great, yeah, yeah, oh yeah, yeah, my people. So you know, just yeah, they say, but but again they were very much interested in connecting with the political community, with candidates. And then with me being a Democratic candidate, it was Mm -hmm. even more so. And that was the other thing about um, embracing crypto. Uh, From a Democratic standpoint, I wanted to be able to push back on what was certain to be the reservations that people had around the environmental impact and mining and all of that. And so uh, one of my other team members was like, well, there's so many other uses for blockchain technology that's there's even you know environmentally safe coins and you know so we got to walk into talking and he put together a whole seven uses that's on my website seven uh, you know environmentally mm. friendly uses for blockchain technology and he got it to recycle i mean they was just gone with it and i was just amazing so that's really my rabbit hole experience came through my team because they were just like yeah what, what else you want to know so they' really <laughs> and and so I'm able to I'm able to say now that I am pro crypto because I actually believe even despite what it's going through right now that's true that's just the nature of of any any financial you know tool that Absolutely. we have you're going to have your ups your downs your bears your bull markets you know, hold fast. You know, I, I do. Absolutely, I do want to pray. You know, just say that I, I, I'm, I'm praying for those that have suffered some significant loss, because there has been, mm-hmm. you know, financially, and I've seen a, a few posts even on Twitter where you know mm-hmm. some folks have maybe even taken their lives, and you, you just you never mm-hmm. know. We're already in such a sensitive time, still, right, with what we're going through. Some people are on the edge, and they can't take mm-hmm. one more thing. So I definitely want to lift those up who, you know, may be feeling right now that they can't take any more, you know, please hang on, you know, right? please hang on. Um, but yeah, that's, that's how I got to the place of being considered a pro crypto candidate.
0: We hope you're enjoying this edition of Tech Intersect. Our conversation will continue in a moment, but first a word on an exciting opportunity. If you've tried to figure out crypto, DeFi and NFTs on your own on YouTube University or Podcast College and all you have to show for it are a lot of questions, but little if any forward progress. I invite you to visit AdvantageEvans.com to get the answers you've been searching for about how to buy, store and trade crypto and NFTs and to access DeFi safely, legally and confidently. Advantage Evans Academy offers everything from full-service VIP onboarding to prof-guided, on-demand, and cohort-based courses, as well as an engaging, informative, and supportive membership club, AE Explore Live, for as little as just $1 a day. This club is for you if you want to learn from well-respected crypto education experts like me, transform your relationship with money, generate wealth in the new digital cash economy, create digital ownership streams that lead to generational wealth, learn to vet, buy, store, trade, earn and sell cryptocurrencies Engage in DeFi to lend and leverage your crypto, create, buy, and trade creative and collectible NFTs, and network with other crypto-curious enthusiasts in an inclusive environment. You'll gain all of that and more in a wonderful community of like-minded, lifelong learners ready to get in and to win. If that sounds like you, join us. Visit AdvantageEvans.com to get immediate access to the resources you need and deserve. That's AdvantageEvans.com. Let's go and let's grow. And now, back to the conversation. Well, I I serve as an advisor to Maxwell Frost, who's running in the 10th district for Val Deming's old seat in in Florida Florida. to go to Congress. And and he's a very progressive candidate as well, who is focused. Um, And he probably had a similar path to understand how does this connect to economic and social justice Mm -hmm. and being willing to have the conversation and to to listen outside of the echo chamber of either. If you don't have all crypto, then you're an idiot. And if you buy crypto, you're an idiot. Like what's in the middle for the rest of us. Right. So that makes sense to me. And
1: and, and that's and that's what I like to say. I said, you know, cryptocurrency for me transcends ideology. It's not, you know, partisan or it it shouldn't be. I know it's it's it's, you know, quickly becoming that. But we're trying to rescue it from that conversation because it, it can help. Everyone, you know, it can benefit all of us. It doesn't have to be a political football. And so I feel like if you're someone who is in that camp, you know, in terms of mm-hmm. wanting a pro crypto candidate, who do you want on the hill when the conversations about it come up? Money is all around us, and we think about it more than almost every other aspect of our lives. But how can we make more of it, and what's our drive for building wealth beyond just the numbers in our bank account? Join us on the Make More podcast as our host Matt Heslin brings to you a dynamic lineup of experts in the world of investing, business, health, and beyond. Together, they unpack the secrets to not just surviving, but thriving in today's economy. It's about more than just wealth. It's about crafting life experiences, seizing opportunities, and building a legacy. Subscribe now to the Make More with Matt Heslin podcast and join us every week for new expert insights and inspiration.
0: Absolutely, absolutely. I've started to spend more time in D.C. more on the, the regulatory than the legislative side, yeah. but but on both, and, mm-hmm. and and doing some work here in the Commonwealth of Pennsylvania as well. Uh, and I had a conversation. Last week, we're talking about time <laughs> within the last two weeks, because I'm not quite sure about <laughs> time in the middle of a pandemonium. But anyway, recently I engaged with the acting comptroller of currency, Michael Sue, who started this conversation, these sessions around the state of education in financial education, and he started specifically with crypto. Okay, And um, in advance of that, there's a recent report, perhaps you've seen it from Ariel Schwab, from Ariel Investments and Mm -hmm. and Schwab Bank Mm -hmm. about the latest statistics. When I saw the statistics, I was excited when I saw how the the extrapolation of the statistics to tell an analytical story, yeah. I was less enthusiastic about their conclusions. Okay, but I let's highlight some of the um, and I'll drop a link in the show notes to this. So I want everybody to DYOR, Rev Wendy does want you to do so as That's well. Exactly so I'll drop right. the link for your educational purposes. Right. But 25% of black Americans currently own cryptocurrency. Bitcoin and other, and there are over 19,000 different types of crypto. So we can have a full conversation at another time just about that. Mm -hmm. But 23 percent are, you know, cited the excitement about crypto as the reason they even started investing. Mm -hmm. And the fact that black Americans ranked crypto as one of, if not the best investment choice overall and 68 percent of black investors see cryptocurrency as risky versus 73% of their white counterparts, white counterparts, meaning that they thought it was more risky. I wanted to know, so uh, uh, that was, all of those things are really interesting data points. And I'm interested as an educator and a thought leader in the space, the why underneath it, that gets to some of your platforms with respect to economics. What is it that makes a culture that Tends to be very conservative in the financial space Mm -hmm. because we go all the way back to the Freedmen's Bank and then we can go all the way back to the enslavement period Uh and everything that has happened with redlining and Mm -hmm. being um, underbanked and unbanked. Or, um, you know, I recently last year went to get a loan. I have. Damn near perfect credit Mm -hmm. paid off literally all of my debt, and basically, I could have spent the next two years going back and forth with them over that. I decided not to take their little loan, and I got the house that I wanted to, and it's all paid in full. Come on, somebody, but that you know is from a system of privilege and power to be able to move in that space. What is it about the current financial system that drives black Americans to say, Let me look at a space where there is no impediment? to access and it's transparent, not opaque. And mm-hmm. we are leveling the playing field. It's not without its issues, mm-hmm. but the number one asset being used to engage in criminal activity is still the dollar. Correct. So let's mm-hmm. right size that. Mm-hmm. But I'm just interested in maybe your reflections. I know you haven't, maybe you've seen it mm-hmm. and I don't know, but just your thought about what is it about the present circumstance that makes crypto um, at least an interesting opportunity that we as a community need to know more about. That it doesn't have the baggage that you just talked about. Mm-hmm.
1: Bottom line, mm-hmm. everything else, every other financial instrument, every other opportunity for financial investment, you can look in a history book and see somewhere there was an example of us being denied, of us being discriminated against, of of us, you know, being um, left out of the equation, but not factored in. It's not. It's not tainted in that way. It mm-hmm. is a ground floor financial opportunity and we are an innovative people we know how. first of all we know how to make a dollar out of 15 cents so let's come on now come on
0: with the rap lyrics i'm
1: feeling something in my right leg honey so we we know how to we we know how to scratch and survive we know how to create Mm. we know how to pull a meal, uh, to put a meal together out of pig scraps that they left behind right. thinking that we were not going to make a delicacy out of it that people are still eating on today and serving on their table. Yeah. But so, right. so when we see an opportunity to grow and to, and to build and, and to prosper and thrive yes. that quote unquote, they haven't gotten their hands into yet. Oh, we coming mm-hmm. in and we are taking over. Right. That's just our nature. We can, we can, we can spot an opportunity. I think that's what you're seeing is like, before it gets corrupted, before they, you know, the the, the, whomever, the regulators, and then I know we're going to talk about that a little bit later, but before they can get in there Mm -hmm. and tell us we can't do it, let's do it.
0: Yeah, it's really interesting. I'm, you know, this idea of legislative initiatives that are and regulatory initiatives that focus on protection of investors and consumers. Obviously, as an attorney licensed in four states, I get that. I'm all for that. But it's always calibrating so that it's not just serving some, mm-hmm. but serving all. And too often, these financial avenues or the access to capital, the access to opportunity is this gated experience. Mm-hmm. So removing the gatekeepers in a way that still makes things safe and accessible is really a game changer, and it is creating opportunities to have a future yes. that we just pontificate about, but right. doesn't actually exist in real life. Yes, yes. Um, and so, you know, your your thoughts on this this calibration that there, there's some ideal balance between the protections. Obviously, mm-hmm. we have existing laws that said this type of activity is illegal. Period. You can use whatever tool you want, mm-hmm. but this behavior that right. Right. The tool in and of itself is not. And how do you get that balance to encourage innovation Mm -hmm. while protecting people?
1: Exactly. Mm -hmm.
0: So when you think about, you know, as we we talked earlier about all of the um, parts of your platform that are woven together to make sure that there is not just equality, but equity in terms of opportunity and participation in this grand experiment, you're imagining or reimagining a future. That includes all of those things on your platform. When you think about that, what do you see? What do you see?
1: I see my constituents here in D.C. in particular not giving up, not feeling like I'm Mm -hmm. not even going to pursue something because I already know I'm going to run into so many obstacles that it's not going to be possible. I see people taking risks. I see people not feeling uh, like they have to, um, not feeling obligated to, to spend the rest of their lives doing something that they don't even enjoy doing i see families thriving i see independent artists getting getting the opportunity to explore their passions and those entrepreneurs you know getting a chance to 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 try out their their business ideas without feeling like they have to jump through any particular hoops uh, i I see just a, a, a shift in the overall like I was talking about earlier, the quality of life of of the, of the country itself. Because when the family is intact, whatever that family, however that family is constructed, don't, you know, and and when everyone is healthy and they they feel safe and they feel Mm -hmm. stable and they feel open to, to express and be who they are without any fear of repercussion and I'm talking about safe, healthy things, you know, in in a, in a legal way. You know, I'm not saying, of course. but but you understand yeah. what I'm saying. I, I, I want I want the ideal. That might sound utopic, but I so think that it is possible. And I think that mm-hmm. what is hindering that most most of all is the way our economic system is is set up. And and so many people uh, feel like they have a boot on their necks that they don't even. Believe that they could ever be in a different situation uh, than they right. are right in this moment, and I don't think that's the promise of America. I don't. Mm-hmm. Think, I want us to live up to our original in, intentions you know, mm-hmm. th- that we stated on what this country was founded upon, and um, that's that. That's what I see. So I see happier families and happier people and more content and and creativity just thriving and people feeling better and relating to one another better as a result cuz their needs are met and so and their their neighbors needs are met and so even the conversations we're having are different
0: Yeah. We need a change. And we didn't go through this last two plus years to come out unchanged for the better. We have a choice. Mm -hmm. (laughs) We're co-creating this experience. So we have a choice. I want us to choose wisely, make a choices so that our our future is brighter than our our past and that we're learning from those experiences and realizing that this idea of the individual bootstrap, when a lot of people don't even have boots, is just not going to work.
1: Yeah that that was that was never that was never a a reality that was a myth, and so I, I want us to create a new
0: reality. Hmm. Powerful. Well, I'm excited. Mm-hmm. I'm so glad that we're connected. Yeah. I know crypto Twitter is excited. I can't <laughs> wait to share this with them. Come on. Um, <laughs> and certainly my listeners. Yeah. And uh, so let's tell folks how they can learn more about you and your campaign.
1: Well, please check me out at, at RevWendyForCongress.com. Um, you can get all the information that we've talked about today. My platform is there. There's some you know, some videos there, some of the events I've done, some of the podcasts that I've, I've been on in the past as well, just talking about my pro-crypto stance and, and how I you know came to be where I am as a candidate. I'm also on all social media. So you can find me on Facebook, LinkedIn, and Instagram at Rev. Wendy for Congress. Oh, and Twitter, RevWendy3. Mm-hmm. But they also had me dancing on TikTok.
0: So let's <laughs> go. Oh, I haven't seen that. I didn't make my way over there. Oh, you Let did not?
1: That. Oh, you must go over Listen. to at RevWendy for Congress on TikTok. And oh. I read something today, actually, that said that people are spending more time on TikTok now than they ever spent on Facebook even. Wow. you know, Sometimes up to 44 minutes a day. on TikTok. Now I can't be on there that long, but but let me (laughs) say But I can give it 20.
0: I can give it 20. But
1: what I I will say is that my team encouraged me to get on there. My social media manager, she just said, you know, I know the trends. I'll just, we'll get together. I'll tell you, all you got to do is stand or dance or point or whatever. I'll go back and put all the, you know, the editing on it and things Mm -hmm. like that. Mm -hmm. But I'm telling you, there are some of the most rich, conversations mm. that take place around policy on a 10-second statehood dancing video that I did
0: wow.
1: that peep that, that even more substances sometimes than the other platforms, you know, because I wow. put something up there like, you know. What do you mean you don't believe D.C. needs statehood? You know, not just do a little something, something and honey in the comments, because y'all need to go back to Maryland. No, we don't. Do you <laughs> leave it? And they go now nah, because Article 8 of the Constitution, Section 23. And it is. A wow. Amazing tool. I mean, they go at it and wow. it is like civil civic engagement and discourse. And they are having real Genuine political conversation, and I love it. I said, The kids are all right, go ahead, y'all, because <laughs> y'all are on top of it. So, yeah, so Rev Wendy for Congress, please check me out, please spread the word. If you have any relatives in Washington, D.C., as was mentioned, I'm running against a 32 year incumbent and you know who has citywide name recognition. I got started early. But you know, uh, a, a year and a half ago, so I did break through. People do know I'm running, but mm-hmm. it, it don't hurt to keep you know reminding them, you know, to vote, vote for Rev. Wendy. I'm people powered. I don't take any money from corporations, so I would love a donation as well. You can donate mm-hmm. on my website, as was mentioned, and you can donate in U.S. dollars and in crypto. Let's
0: so- go. <laughs> I couldn't remember from earlier. If you hadn't said it, I I would definitely ask. I'm going to drop those uh, links in the show notes. And a a final reminder for folks in the district. The district. (laughs) Did you know that only 18% of eligible Washington, D.C. voters cast a ballot in the 2018 midterm primary elections? Folks, if somebody delivered 18% on the final exams that I am grading, I'm going to go on record and say that's going to be an F. That's a failing grade. I know you have it in you. I was born in the district. I'm a bison baby. My my parents both went to Howard undergrad. I graduated from Howard Law. And Washington, D.C. is so critically important to the entire makeup of this great nation. We have to participate. We have to be the change we seek. It all can happen, but it begins with you. Please, folks. Get out and vote, get educated, get in line <laughs> or send in your ballot. Yes. Um, the day of election day is the end, not the beginning. Mm-hmm. So let's do that. And a rising tide lifts all boats. So so we're going to do this together or not at all. So, so let's do it together, folks. Reverend Wendy, thank yeah. you so much wow. for joining me. This is the first, but not the last. Yes. You're not only my friend in my head. Now you're my friend. So... <laughs> When I get back down there, I look forward to seeing you at some point. IRL, I'm double boosted and always masked.
1: Well, well, <laughs> well, well, thank you so much. Thank you for the platform. Thank you for what you're doing. Education and literacy is also so very important in this space. Yes. And that's something that I'm endeavoring to do. As I mentioned to you earlier, crypto isn't as central to conversations here in D.C. So there's mm-hmm. an education piece you know, we're trying to do here. I also talked with Naja Roberts. You know, I know she yes. does. A lot. That's my girl. I was on her podcast Absolutely. a while ago. And we were talking about the literacy pieces. And I'm looking around in D.C. Yeah. and Bitcoin ATMs are popping up in some Absolutely. of the carryouts and things like that. And I'm like, wait a minute, wait a minute. Before you put all them high fees on them. Wait a minute. Right. You know, I haven't even had an opportunity. My folks haven't been educated properly. If I want if they're going to get into the space, I want them to get into it from an educated, and informed space. Right. So it's it's sisters like yourself mm-hmm. that, you know, help make that information available or that I can direct our people to as a resource so that we can take advantage of this, not from an emotional place, but from an informed one. So I want to thank you for your work.
0: Wow. I enjoyed that conversation so, so much. I hope you did too. I love how clear, committed, unbothered and unbossed Rev Wendy is about what matters most community and representation, of course, without taxation, (laughs) come on statehood, and meaningful access to financial inclusion and equity in the new economy. Learn more about Rev. Wendy's campaign at RevWendyForCongress.com. That's RevWendyForCongress.com. Look at here, y'all. We need to be the change we seek. It starts with us, but it begins with you. Before we sign off, please take a moment to like, comment, and share this episode and this podcast with your networks. Follow me on social media and let me know what topics you'd like to hear more of and who you want to hear from. All right, that's all for this episode. Until next time, continue to shine. Stay in touch with host Tanya Evans via your favorite social media. On Twitter at at Tech Intersect and on Instagram via the handle Tech Intersect. This podcast has been produced by Stephanie Renee for Soul Sanctuary Incorporated.